everybody welcome to the 364th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in sunny rip city and i got my man sage kicking it live and direct in beaverton oregon ready to talk about this this week of blazers basketball it's been uh last night changed a lot of things for that win but it it, it was a lot of weird basketball that we witnessed did it did it change i i, I don't think it, it changed the whole heck of a lot um but yes let's let's look at the week that it was um the blazers are currently on a homestand and up until last night it was looking pretty bleak losing on thursday to the 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 hapless utah jazz uh 114 to 122 in a game that saw both teams playing on the second night of a back-to-back, yet Utah was the team that took it to Portland and was up by as many as 32 points in the second half. Uh, the Boo Birds were out in the Rose Garden for that one. Then a back-to-back on the weekend, Saturday losing to the Dallas Mavericks, 131-120. Portland, yet again, had zero answer for Luka Doncic. And then a game in which the Blazers needed for draft purposes could not get it done against the Golden State Warriors losing 118 to 114, but they bounced back and get an unexpected win against the Phoenix Suns after trailing by double digits early. They turned it around in the third quarter and uh, held off a ferocious rally by Kevin Durant, who had another 40 point performance, but it was the Blazers on top. 109 to 104. They are 7 and 19 on the season. Second to last in the Western Conference, tied with Memphis Grizzlies, who recently got Ja Morant back. And for those worrying about draft purposes, it still keeps Portland right around that four or five region. And realistically, with how bad the Spurs, Pistons, and Wizards have been, you're not cracking the top three. And to be frank, this isn't a draft. You don't want to. (laughs) You don't need to draft. You don't need to crack the top three when it comes into it. And I just have a sneaky suspicion. It's going to be a team with like the seventh or eighth eighth worst odds. That's just going to skyrocket up and uh, land the the lottery luck this spring. But that is, uh, that is far and away from where we're, where we are right now, uh, right before the, the Christmas holiday, 26 games down. I mean, if you do the math, 46 games to go. So still more than half of the season left. Um, I got quite a few things that I do too. to me. Let's hear you first, Sage. All right. So the reason I said the Suns game changes it is because the Blazers like shooting themselves in the foot for a full quarter every every game in the last two weeks it seems like they shoot themselves in the quarter and have to fight back ferociously to get it into a like a close game in which they lose last night they won but when you give up 10 turnovers in a quarter not be able to decide how to attack a 2-3 or a 3-2 zone or a box and one against utah the blazers kick themselves in the foot or shoot themselves in the foot and then they have to fight like cats and dogs to be able to make it a game. We're not talented enough to do that. Not many teams are talented enough to just have a full quarter of a lack of production. So 
get all of those bad habits out now. I'm fine with, but if it, 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 it's kind of a bad look when we're just taking elves because one full quarter of just bad, bad strategy, bad taking care of the ball, being lazy with the ball in their hands, making bad passes. And then the second thing you brought up the draft, you know, if we get a top five pick, the start, the like the, the potential all star factor in this draft is at a very very low margin. I feel like Alex Sar is the only one that could potentially be an all star. So be prepared to draft somebody that has the ceiling of a super role player, not somebody that's a franchise changer, because there really isn't that franchise changer there. Even Alex Sar, who I really like. He doesn't have it in him to be a, a uh, offensive hub on a good team. He is a secondary or tertiary player in an offense. So be prepared for s- getting some guy that can help Scoot and Shaden, but is not going to be an all-star. Is not going to be a star player. He's going to fill. He's going to be a star in his role, but not a star. You know, piece on an offense in on a good team when we're a good team. But what what do you have to say? It was along the the first point was along the same lines as as what you were talking about. And I don't know why it finally stuck with me. Maybe it it was because this team seems to play worse when they're at full strength. Maybe it's because I'm tired of of seeing roles not being defined and trying to figure out, oh, this this is the type of player we need. It's staring us right in the face, Sage. This I'm, I'm I'm done making major roster decisions. And thinking about major roster decisions until Joe Cronin addresses the elephant in the room, which is the Portland Trailblazers coaching staff led by Chauncey Billups. It, they're, they're just not good enough. There's too much inconsistency that nobody is going to mistake this roster for a playoff contender, right? Like nobody is going to, to mistake them for that. But you look at what Ime Udoka did immediately with the Houston Rockets. And I don't think the roster is that much better than ours. You look at things, uh, how players are being used. Shaden Sharp goes on a massive tear, 24 points or more in five straight games. Simons and Jeremy Grant return, and you watch that game against Dallas, and he is just sitting in the corner. Nothing is ran for him, no touches, no usage. And you also look at the Utah Jazz, both teams coming off of a back-to-back, Utah without a ton of their talent, yet Will Hardy rolls out a box and one, which after two or three times down the floor, both you and I said, they're leaving the corners open. We need to get some 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 short corner shooters out there. Chauncey doesn't know that. He, he still leaves Matisse and Tumani in there, and his idea of trying to break that zone was let Anthony just, just shoot over the top of it uh, which the, the box one was intended to stop. And it was content. It was contended and bricks were being laid and Portland got down big. And despite a furious comeback by Scoot Henderson, it was all for naught. And too many times are examples like that coming up where I'm just like, this this isn't the guy. You mentioned Ime. He has an identity of like tough nose basketball. Chauncey. Like, we pretend to have that, but I think it's Fugazi. Like, we don't always try hard defensively. The Rockets don't have 
Like they have Alperen Shangun being the center. We have DeAndre Ayton. Our defense by default should be better because Alperen can't defend anyone. But they have Tari Eason and they have Jabari Smith and they have all of these players that are two-way players where Shaden Sharp theoretically can be a two-way player. Scoot can too, but they aren't. It isn't defined yet. They can still things can happen. I, just, I Chauncey's just done a bad job of defining what we are as a team. Sometimes we play hard, and sometimes we just don't. You mood, bud. Yeah, it's it's not even just the identity. It, I, I need someone who is going to look at the roster and know how to best use it effectively and efficiently, right? Like, I'm not ready to cast away Anthony Simons because maybe he's shooting too much. I'm not just going to say, let's just trade Jeremy just to get him off of the books. Like, there's there's talent there. And at this point, I'm like, wait, another coach could probably figure this team out a little bit better. Now, I think we're both on the same page. Matisse's value, Malcolm's value, those are winning players on contending teams that can fetch you draft capital, and they're probably not going to be a higher value than they are at the moment. So, you know, you can tinker around the edges, but when I I look at this, this roster and you start to go into the the metrics and you're you're wondering why aren't the Blazers performing well at full strength and it's because it's it's how they're being utilized you look at the percentage of field goals made unassisted so this is basically just iso basketball number one in the Blazers is Scoot Henderson at 71 percent makes sense he's a point guard that's on ball is when he needs he needs the ball like he's really not going to be an off the ball threat but number two is Anthony Simons at 61%. And just to put that into a little bit of context, certain players around that same percentage, you got De'Aaron Fox at 72%, Trey Young, 75%, even Damian Lillard, right around Anthony Simons' number at 68%. So you've got two main cogs of your future not being utilized effectively. When I see those numbers... I see Scoot needs to have the ball in his hands. Anthony is a lights out off the ball player. You can run him off of screens. He can really shoot. He is an incredible catch and shoot shooter. He can make quick decisions. He's been attacking the basket off of the bounce uh, much more frequently, which I love. But I know he's incredible. I know he's had that game winning shot against the Suns. But letting Anthony try to be Damian Lillard is is not how you're going to get the most out of this team because by letting him try to take the Dame role, you're basically neglecting Scoot and by proxy, you're neglecting Shaden because I I don't think in the modern NBA, you can have two dribble ISO first players in your starting unit. And Portland does right now with, with Jeremy and Anthony. And I think that's why you're seeing so much awkwardness with the Blazers at full strength because one, the roles aren't defined. People don't know who's in the pecking order. One, one game at Shaden, the next game, you know, Jeremy is kind of going off by himself. So the roster is a, a little bit jumbled, but I think if we had a better just manager who knew how to kind of put people in the right positions to succeed and do the make others around them better, like Scoot, he's been playing phenomenal lately. Like in, in, in the month of December, eight games 
averaging 14.3 points. I know he's not shooting great from the field, but it is the highest of, of any month, 41% from the field, 28% from three, which where he started, you know, I'm going to take 87, 87% from the line, but you're getting four and a half assists, three rebounds. Um, I've, I've, I've really loved what I've seen from him. And in most games, he's been our best player. He was the best player against Utah. He was uh, incredible against the the Golden State Warriors, you know, 14 points. He had a first uh, 2010 game uh, of any rookie this year uh, in, in terms of points and assists against the Jazz, 23 points and 10 assists. Uh, he's starting to find his groove, but he's not going to reach his full potential. And again, this is a player that the Blazers thought so highly of, they were willing to move off of franchise legend Damian Lillard because they saw a generational talent and I'm sorry, Sage, he's not going to even come close to that status if they don't start utilizing him properly. And he needs the ball in his hands and he will get Anthony, his shots. He will get shade in his shots. He'll get DA his looks. And I'm sure shit he'll get Jeremy, his looks as well. Like defensively, you need to figure stuff out for, for that whole core. But if you're looking to, you know, when you're rebuilding, you got to kind of have to take baby steps and like chunk it a little bit here and a little bit there. Offensively, Scoot is your conductor. And I, I've i seen enough from him off the bench now that like this is a developmental season. Like we're already losing trying to, you know, run the offense through Jeremy and, and Ant. Like, let's let's see what 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 it looks like. We have this entire season to see how everything kind of meshes and kind of feels together. And, you know, I really want to see. Scoot with the ball in his hands, and I want to see Anthony really get some looks um, off ball. But again, it, it comes back to the head coach. And Sage, I just don't believe in Chauncey Billups' ability to call an offense. Like we have, Shaden is incredible off the ball too, but like there's no excuse for him to take six shots against the Mavericks coming off of that phenomenal performance. He had 27 against the, the LA Clippers. Like there was... So that's that's kind of where I'm at with this episode is like all I want for Christmas is a new head coach, because I feel like you can't make any real major decisions with this franchise until you address the. I don't think well, I agree with what you're saying. I just I don't, I can't blame Ant or Jeremy because they're being put in this situation of I'm being the, the main the main guy. So I, I like. I would well, argue well, they're being think... enabled to be the main guy. Like yeah, the, he's telling him. Yeah, go, go everybody every, the, that staff is telling them to take the like take as many of those shots as possible. So like, I feel like Ant is doing a very good job of learning how to. His process has speed sped up so much in the last year compared to like. Do you remember Jalen Brown? His decision making has been what was trash and it is improved. I think Anthony Simons has that 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 jump in the process of playing basketball. So I don't want to hamper that development that he has been showing. But at the same time, maybe he should. I feel like he should ISO it maybe 40 percent of the time. 60 percent seems outrageous. I just think Chauncey Billups has put him at what he and Jeremy at places where they can't succeed because they're older. And you throw Malcolm Brogdon in that too, where he's just being placed in a position where he's hit his peak performance wise. 
and can only go down. And I've noticed that Malcolm's gotten scaled down quite a bit, but still, like, the fact that he drove it 14 times a game during the season just shows that we were not putting him in positions to succeed. So, yeah, I think that it, I think Cronin and Chauncey really did a disservice to every you know, ball dominant player that we've had this season where they've been put in positions where they can do something, but they're much, much, much better at doing something else. Malcolm Brogdon was the sixth man of the year catching and shooting. But the fact that I watched him drive all the time was a disservice to him. He's slow as shit. Like the, 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 if there was no such thing as like, you know, the changing of speed, he would be screwed with what he's doing offensively. He just, he just was really efficient off going from slow to slower. Like <laughs> there was, we were at the game and I called it out to you. It was a two on one fast break. I don't know who the ball handler was, but Tumani popped out for a three instead of driving the lane for an easy dunk. He hit the three, but I, I turned to you and I said, that's the wrong play. Like it went in and nobody is going to question it, but that's, that's the wrong basketball play. The, when I watch this team, that's that's just constantly going through my my head. I'm like, they scored. But that's, old, that's, that that, that's that would have been the right play pre two thousand and whenever Steph Curry became. I'm like, that's that's the wrong play. Like you see, like you know Jeremy going one on one, and yeah, he scored. But I'm like, you've got shooters in the short corner. Like that's a better shot. Like we need to, and this is what happens when our our main shot creators are being enabled to kind of just take over as, as they, as they want is when the game gets tough and close down the finish, they may be in a rhythm, but when you kick it out to, to a sharp or a Thibel or anyone else, they, they haven't got their, their groove. They haven't got their, their reps in. So it's almost like taking, it's almost like a pinch hitter coming in cold off of the bench. And you're asking them to knock down that shot where, if you had a floor general like a scoot getting people involved, like everyone feels involved and engaged. And, you know, I don't know about you, Sage, but when I play basketball, it doesn't matter what level. If I know I pass the ball and it's coming back to me, or if I know I'm getting, you know, some, some looks, some touches on offense, it makes me that much more excited to go down there and play defense. Like I'm much more engaged and locked in. And, and that's something that I think is a direct comparison to the NBA level because it doesn't matter how much money they make. Like they're still playing a game that they enjoy. But if you feel like you're not just involved or a big part of the offense, yeah, you're just you're you're not going to be super enthused to go and and do the dirty work all of the time when you know you gotta throw these guys a bone every now and then. And I just I feel like the way that the offense is drawn up, it's like, oh, oh God, just 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 save us, Jeremy and Ant. And again, I'm not blaming those two. I think it's pretty much on the staff. Like that's that's why I think the team is playing so poorly when they're at, at full strength. I I just think that Chauncey Bills wasn't really prepared, Ready? yeah, to 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 create an offense all his own. I just don't think he was because let's be real. When he had Dame, there was a lot of Terry Stotts in that offense. Like they knew. They knew Terry Stotts offense. They had to bring back some of the Terry Stotts yeah. offense because it was so subpar. Yeah, so like when Dame's gone, you can't really do the Terry Stotts offense really with this team. So he had to build a offense and like a scheme all to his own. 
And it's kind of like Anthony slash Jeremy Grant save us in these clutch moments. I mean, we're, we're we're running some like AAU schematics offensively. Like the guy at the center drives and then everyone rotates one spot to the right is something that you see in AAU ball, not in the NBA. So we're he's trying to create an offense that's all his own. And it's like he's not prepared for it. And then he has the assistants that just aren't prepared for this level. Like you got Scotty Brooks, not really being, he's not an offensive guy. He's run some unimaginable offenses. I think if you're trying to make the Scoot Henderson, Anthony Simon, Shane Sharp trio work, you need to have some creativity to generate space for others. And, you know, allow those three, their time to be the alpha. And I th- I would say for the majority of the year, it's been Malcolm Brogdon, the first three quarters and Shaden Sharp, the fourth in that save it, save it for us type of role. And then you have Anthony Simons now taking that fourth quarter, please save us role. But he also is, has a huge part in the first three quarters. So he's not cold going into that fourth quarter when he's getting the ball. I mean, it, it it really all depends. It all just shows that we aren't prepared for this type of basketball with, uh, you know, the scheme that we have offensively and that how we don't, you know, play the same level of uh, effort every game. You just see sometimes where it's like they don't really want to be there with the effort they're showing defensively. So, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's all on Chauncey Billups and his staff and if I was Charles Lee or if I was one of these coaches that wants that next opportunity, I'm not keeping anybody on the Blazers staff. Everybody's going to be a new hire if it was me and, you know, my my judgment about what the Blazers have done in the last three years. So we've talked about the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, the Blazers have looked uh, rough uh, over the past eight games in which they are they are one in seven. If you look at a hole on the season, their defensive rating is middle of the pack, 115. That's 14th out of 30th. But their points per game, uh, they give up 114, 17th in the league. But over that eight-game stretch, it's up to 120. I think it's too early to say if it's the the smaller backcourt. I think it also has to do with an uptick in the competition. Uh, You know, you've played... Dallas, you've played Golden State, you've played Dallas twice, actually. You played Phoenix. Um, you played the Clippers. So you've played some some tough opponents in that stretch, but it, it is something to keep an eye on. And I, I will say, like on a s- singular level, player to player, I think they're they're trying and doing what they need to do. But whenever they go up against a guy like Luca or Kawhi, there's just no idea of, of what to do. Like that Mavericks game was just, I mean, Luca was just like a Sunday stroll in the park. Like, I mean, you talk about change of pace and playing with just a complete level of confidence. I don't think I've seen another player like do it like, like Luka Doncic. Like he just knew he was in complete command and control and Portland got after that blistering start offensively, but they, they, they couldn't, they tried to pick him up full court. They tried to blitz him. They, they had no answer for him. So, I mean, we even saw Chauncey call a timeout 
18 seconds into the third quarter after apparently it seemed like DeAndre didn't come up in and hedge uh, hard enough on Doncic. Uh, he dropped back into uh, drop coverage. What have you seen from the defense with a healthy Blazer roster? Do you think it's more of the opponent picking up in terms of the the their talent level, or is it is Portland just a, a better defensive team when they're able to go with with Thibel and Kamara and a, a bigger backcourt in, in Sharp and, and Simons? I I I don't really notice Anthony making that many bad plays defensively. I think it's an effort issue, and then you're dealing like when we were playing trash teams and playing good defense. Like we looked awesome because we were pressuring players that aren't used to dribbling the ball and forcing them to make turnovers. I I really think most of it is an effort plus. Luka Doncic is a lot different than Colin Sexton as a playmaker, as a NBA player. So Colin still gave us buckets. Well, bro, I had him in 80% of my DFS lineups that night. I I was, I was thinking about that and I was like, you're right. You're right. But I was like, wait, Utah absolutely cooked us. Like I was just thinking of a, uh, of a mid point guard. And that was the first thing. One that came to my, like I mean, Utah, Utah was just taking the ball and going like one pass cut and we gave up over 70 paint points that contest. So I guess another question is DA didn't play that game, but is he the rim protector Portland needs? Because he also didn't play in that Clipper game. And I know Moses Brown had to come in to give us a little bit of a spark. Like it just feels like Portland also doesn't have the the complete center that they're looking for, unfortunately, right? You pay a lot of money for DeAndre Ayton, but he doesn't set the screens that Reith does. Reith isn't the rebounder that DeAndre is. Uh, you just, you don't have that, that, that backline defender that, you know, everything's going to be okay if, if they get to you, um, who can also rebound and shoot. Like, How, but you're talking like, about like an elite player to do all of that. I mean, if you watch this defense, that they just get Hooked in the paint. Yeah, but uh, I don't blame it all on DA. No, no, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not blaming DA. I'm, I'm saying just Portland because based upon what I I'm think that seeing, schematically you put DA in so many negative situations. Is, is it a scheme that that Portland needs to adjust because clearly they don't have the personnel like Robert. Will, like if they had Robert Williams, I, I think they would be fine playing some of the scheme that they're doing right now. I, I don't I, I don't blame it isn't it's partly a personnel thing, but I think mostly it's German Grant and Tumani not helping D.A. in those negative situations where he's just getting pressured and has to make a move to stop the shot. And then nobody helped. It's it's the same thing with Hassan Whiteside that I'm seeing with D.A., except there's better players for D.A. that should be covering for him instead of, you know, whoever the small forward and power forward were with that uh, Blazers team with Hassan, you know, DA makes the move to make stop the, the, the score. And then they give up the rebound and an easy score on the other way because DA is out of position. I think it's a real like lack of chemistry defensively between our post players and our wings. I, yeah, like you, you put, you put DA in such a bad position that he, that he, gives up points because he's just out of position because he has to help. And then offensively, he's getting like four touches a game. So he's not like super motivated to be Tyson Chandler out there. So I, I, I mean, like 
like you said, like you're you feel so much more motivated to play hard if you have the ball. That I think that first quarter they try and give him the ball. Like the first five possessions are probably you know sixty percent DA, and then nothing. It's feed DA in the first five second five minutes, and then completely forget about it. it. Exactly. I think schematically, like why would I want to help you if I'm touching the ball four times a game, and then like have to do all the dirty work and then everything's placed on me when it inevitably fucks up because nobody has my back. Like I get why. I I think what's really frustrating is you're just, I think Portland is is leaving a lot of low hanging fruit on. on Oh yeah, totally. They're the lob game has completely evaporated. Uh, It's like once a game. Shaden, I maybe one or two all season Deandre, maybe four. Like, this is, again, why I want Scoot Henderson with the ball in his hands, because he's going to get others involved. And D.A., I wouldn't say it's it's Shaden's biggest strength, but it is a strength of him to catch lobs and go back door. But D.A. is a rim running big. Mm-hmm. Like, to have him on the floor offensively and not utilize that just... It, it, it's like having Marshall Falk and, and not utilizing him in the passing game at all. Just saying, no, mm-hmm. we're just going to run you up the gut. Like, right, we're not going to run any screens, any, any flares, any outs, and get you out in open space. You're hindering someone's strength. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just why I've kind of hit my my limit. I'm just like. But I think that, I mean, DA is the person that is the most affected by us not being able to notice people's strengths and weaknesses. But at the same time, I think it's being done everywhere, on, except for like Jeremy Grant and. Anthony, now that he's back, everybody is being affected by bad schemes and then being having a, a a role that is determined like the day of, not like long rules, responsibilities and what you have to do on the court. So it's it's a bad place to be in when you just don't know what your role is day in and day out. You know, you're being put you're, you're doing one thing the other day, one day and th- something else completely different the other so i feel for our teammates that aren't jeremy grant and anthony simons who absolutely know what their role is so like yeah i i don't get it it it, there just needs to be a better distribution of shots throughout uh you know our our entire team that plays it just needs to be that better distribution because some games da gets four Shaden gets five and then Tumani gets 20. Like it just needs to be more. We need to look at who hasn't touched the ball. And I, I guess that's why Scoot Henderson is such a need because he'll be able to feed players that j- just don't get the ball and get, at least get the ball in their hands. I remember watching a, a video podcast of PJ Tucker saying, you expect me to make this shot when I haven't touched the ball in 14 real life minutes. I mean, we're asking Matisse or we're asking Shaden. He does. He gets like four shots in the first three quarters. And then we're asking him to take 15 the next in that the in the fourth. You're expecting him to be good when he hasn't touched the ball. Really? The, the people's expectations. I don't know. It, it's just it's just a very weird scheme and what we're doing offensively. And one of the reasons why I want to see more more Scoot Henderson with the ball in his hands is because the offense can bog down. Like we, we've seen, especially mm-hmm. in close games, it's clear out, let Anthony go, 
he might make a tough shot. He might not. Right. Like that. That's that was that was the Clippers game. It's randomness. It's it's randomness is what we're playing into. You get you get scoot and, you know, I'm constantly watching the tape and then hitting rewind. And you're just like he's getting the ball off of makes off of misses and just bursting in. There is a lot of Russell Westbrook in his game. Like he Mm -hmm. is he is strong. He is wide and he is fast and he's got a burst. He doesn't have the verticality that Russ does, but I think his vision is is going to be better than what Russ's vision was at his peak. So, you know, there is a specialness to Henderson's game, and you're already seeing him finishing in con uh finishing, you know, over contact in traffic, utilizing that strength, utilizing that that quickness and either getting to the line or just giving a change of pace because mm. You can't come down and run the same same stuff, you know, 70 times a game, 80 times a game, however many possessions there are. So that's that's just what I want to see. Like, we've never had a player that just I mean, Clyde Drex was the last guy I remember just gets the ball, puts his head down. And it's like, OK, get the hell out of the way. Otherwise, this guy's going to just. Just truck you and you're going to get the end one, right? So. There's talent on this team. I I, I don't want to make a, a major roster decision. I, I do think it can work with, with Scoot and Shaden. We, we just need a better basketball mind to do it. And, and it's it's really frustrating seeing how everyone's being utilized in what should be a developmental season. Yet he's out there coaching like we're we're trying to make you know make, make, make the playoffs. And yeah. if if by any stretch of the imagination, Chauncey Billups gets the team to the playoffs. It, we're done in four or five games. Like what I saw from from Will Hardy, that was enough. Like, could you imagine, like Nick Nurse or Ime or Pop or Spolstra or Kerr going up against one of those coaches, uh-huh. Michael Malone, what they would sure. draw up, and Chauncey be like, "Ant, go, go out and just just save us." Like that. That's the plan. I I, I feel like we there is a, such a difference between playoff basketball and regular season basketball. What we can do right now. If Ant saves us, we might win 30 plus games of just Ant saving us. But what happens when Nick Nurse, if he was on the West Coast, Boston won Ant from second one to second or to minute 48? Like what happens? That's why off that's why you gotta have a scheme. Like when plan A fails, and plan A is gonna fail if it's just let Ant score or let whoever. Let whoever usage monster you want to be the main guy that get day. What happens when we, they, the opposing team runs a two three zone and we haven't practiced against that and we have no idea how to bust that zone or bust that 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 box in one? Like what we what works now isn't going to work when games really matter. This year doesn't really matter, but when games really do matter, you want to have multiple schemes to stop. To, to score on offense and to stop the opposing team to score on defense. Right now, we just don't have either. Like, it's... We we play defense the same way, too, every time. It's not like it changes much. Like, even if it's a slip on the pick and roll, we hard switch. Scoot so- likes to front the, the guy that he switches with and gets so many fouls drawn off of that one move. And then Ant and Malcolm... Or, or play behind and get posted up. We don't really change anything. So our schematics offensively and defensively might work in the regular season, but will not work in times where 
the games really matter. Yeah, I think there's just a lack of adaptation, right? No, I think some, it, of, the, I think some yeah. of the schemes we run, sure, if you have a, a five of switchable defenders, yeah, you can switch everything and you'll be great. We don't have that. You have to adapt. You have to figure out who's going to switch, who's not, who's going to go over the top of the screen, who's going to fight through it. Are you going to you know, run sort of a zone? Are you gonna, Who's going to be free safety? Like, who, who's guarding the room? Like, there's, you have to adapt, and you have to adapt to the personnel that, that's on the we floor. have a real trouble with know your personnel. Big time. Honestly, you know who has the worst time with it? Jabari. He plays the same way regardless of who's on the floor. And in theory, that's fine. But if he's posting up and DA is on the floor, move your ass to the corner, bud. <laughs> I think he's the biggest know your personnel type of uh, uh, issue on our team. Because, yeah, like if you're the power forward, you put your responsibilities are quite different than when you're playing center. Uh, anything you want to talk about? I know that we probably need to be a little quicker today than normal. Or do you want to go to predicting the games? Oh, no, we'll predict the games. Okay. Uh, pretty sure my son is still taking his, his nap and, you know, shout out to him. It is his first birthday. Um, so I'm really having a good day and, I had pho this afternoon, so oh, hell yeah. my my belly is full, and I'm happy. Enjoy and all the peeing you're gonna do in the next hour. Shout out to the kidneys, right? Yeah. You know. <laughs> but um, we are now pushed on the season for predictions. I I thought we would beat the Warriors, but it, it did not happen. So we are now even on the year. We will look at three games. With the Christmas holiday coming up, you'll be in Southern Oregon. We'll figure out what next week looks like. I have like. my mic in Southern Oregon. I have a mic in Southern Oregon. Not, not the good one, but I have a mic. But let's just look at these three games. We've got the Wizards on Thursday, the 21st. A quick stop in Golden State on the 23rd, which is a Saturday. And then the day after Christmas, Tuesday, the 26th, the Sacramento Kings come to town. You know... I was going to say the Wizards, It's it's got to be a victory. But with this team, you sometimes lose the ones you should win, and sometimes you win the ones you should lose. And that's kind of what happened last week. Utah should have been an easy victory. Phoenix should have been an easy defeat. You say mm-hmm. Kevin Durant gets 40 points, I would have said that's Phoenix by 20. Didn't happen. That's why they play the games. So this is an interesting one because Washington kind of cleans our clocks in Portland recently. Like they beat us by 25 last year, and not much has changed in the nation's capital uh you know uh, they did, Brett, they, i mean they did there's they're still the hapless wizards sage there's they're, they're probably the most irrelevant franchise over the past 20 years in the nba i mean i don't know how many people are like up on baseball stuff like when you play the wizards it's like going to Colorado and playing the rockies for your offensive production like that altitude the altitude like or, or going to Mexico City and shout out to Boy Meets World season one, the Colorado Rockies. It was their inaugural season, and Corey and Sean's, uh, I think, science project described that in, in good detail. They're like they they talked all about all of the home runs going out of there. So I I totally so, got that. Yeah, that yeah. so it's like going it's going to the Rockies. Your 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 offense is gonna be better going against I think the third fastest pace team. And like the worst defender team, worst defensive team. They give up damn near 127 points per game. They're two and eight in their last 10 games. They're four and 22 on the season. 
I'll, I'll, I'm picking They're the, the Rockies. They're I'm, the Rockies of the NBA. I'm picking a Blazer victory, but yeah. if I watch that game, listen to it, and Portland loses, I'm not going to be one bit surprised. Uh, I feel I'll, you on that, but I, I do think they win. I, I do think they win as well. It's, you it's, just can't let Jordan Poole get 50. You can't just let him have one of his nights. He's been so shitty this year. Oh, did I you mean, see the banana peel slippage? No, I didn't. The Suns? So they're playing the Suns in Phoenix, and they blow a late 16-point lead. They do that. They're down by four, and he comes off of a curl off of inbounds to shoot a deep three, and there's plenty of time left, but he decides to fade into the stands and tries to bank a three from 30 feet, and it just it, it didn't look very uh, aesthetically pleasing or graceful. But that's that's the Wizards for you. Like they don't want to win this game. Like they'll, no, they'll they don't win this game. Um, this is a game where I think Scoot should eat against. Yeah. Well, I also would Jones brother is that Trey or uh... I would I would also rest Jaden Sharp. I, I thought they should have yeah. rested against Phoenix. They said he was questionable with an abductor soreness. What do you know? He plays eight minutes and doesn't return. Um, they just 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 rest. Like let's keep our guys healthy. The season doesn't matter. Let's not try to be heroes, uh, coaching staff. So rest Shaden. I think uh, Ant will have a great night, but I also think this game is tailor-made for Scoot to get downhill. Um, I know they have Gafford, but... Gafford's I good. That, I don't... I... No, Gafford's good, but that shouldn't deter Scoot, and I think it shouldn't deter him from getting his. Well, I, I want to see what Scoot does to Gall- Gallinari when he's the backup five. I mean, the the Wizards... This is the worst time to be this bad for the Wizards when there's no superstar in the draft because they they sure need they sure need something for them uh offensively and defensively but yeah you're, you're this this is a like the best case scenario for you to be able to make that last place offense look r- pretty damn good so i think the wizards take the l and we get this this much needed two game streak then Portland faces off against the Golden State Warriors. This will be the third time this month. Um, the NBA has been really weird with their scheduling. Seems like you're playing teams in bulk. And I, I don't really love it, but it is what it is. Portland is 0-2 on the season. They lost in Golden State back on the 6th, uh, 110-106. And then again, they lost by four again on the 17th, 118-114. Obviously, no Draymond Green suspended indefinitely. Uh, they had a big comeback win against the Boston Celtics. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rookie Brandon Podjemski has was out. Jonathan Kaminga has been getting a lot of playing time. Uh, Clay Thompson has found his his Trace rhythm. Jackson Davis has been Trace Jackson back. Davis looks like the player that we thought he was. We had him much higher on our boards than the second or third to last pick in which he went. Looks like a really good Kavon Looney replacement down the line. Uh, he played really well against uh, us as well. And Wiggins, Wiggins had a fucking remember me game against us. Yeah. Um, right and Clay actually was not Clank Thompson. He was actually that was horrible and there was no Draymond and we yeah, still lost, lost that game. That yeah. That's a tough pill to swallow. Um, I think if you're the Blazers, I want to see how they react defensively to what the Warriors do, because Steve Kerr is he's a good coach. And despite having all those players in and out of the lineup, they still, they still, one, they still have Steph Curry. So you always have to keep your head on the swivel, but they just play such a pretty brand of basketball. And, and the player for me who, who just looks better and better each game. And 
and a lot of people are questioning why he doesn't get more consistent run is Jonathan Kaminga. He had a big mm-hmm. steal in overtime against the Boston Celtics, locked up Jason Tatum on that final play of regulation. Um, I assume he's going to get the defensive assignment on Jeremy Grant. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't want to see a lot of one-on-one isolation from, from JG. Um, I think Anthony will be able to, this is a game where, where Ant can put together an all-around performance. Like he, he had a, a 30 plus eight rebound, six assist night. And I loved that. And he's been getting to the line so much more. If Portland's going to win, I, I think Anthony's going to have to have a, a, just a colossal night. I'm, I'm assuming Shaden's going to be out this week. I, I don't think they want to mess with any lingering injuries. Mm. Um, but I, I want I, DA to dominate the opposing centers like Gaff. I mean, I like Gafford, but da has got like two inches on him and he can jump out of the gym. I want him to dominate in at least two ways, rebounding, changing shots or scoring. I want him to have a big game. Like there's no one that worries me on golden state or the wizards with DA. I want him to shine in these games. This will be a second night of a home back-to-back. They get the Wizards on Friday, and they get the Blazers on Saturday. Um, I still like the Warriors. Um, if we're not going to beat them at home with everything that that happens, Steph breaking his 268-game streak with a three, uh, it probably just isn't in the cards this year. We um, have the best-case scenario against going against the Warriors with Stephen Curry not doing what Stephen Curry does, and we still lost. What happens when he reverts to the mean and uh, can score against us effortlessly. I think the Warriors also get the dub. And lastly, the Sacramento Kings were 16 and nine, fourth place in the Western Conference. They are 500 on the road, but they have won seven of their last 10 games, including three in a row. Um, we talk about defense. De'Aaron Fox stresses the defense like mm-hmm. very few do. And they've Keegan Murray just had a massive outburst earlier this week. I think N threes, 45 points, 14 rebounds, uh, something absurd like that. Uh, this is going to be a team that is is gonna score. They were the mm-hmm. league's best offense last year. They're still an elite offense. You can score against them. You talk about DA eating, like there's no other team I think he should eat against than than the Sabo, Sabos. Yeah. But again, we'll see how did the Blazers come out? Do they make it a priority to get him involved or are they going to try and just run their regular, you know, same old, same old? Um, I want to see some, you know, you have to look at personnel and you have to look at the opponent and you have to see, okay, maybe we don't have the advantage that we normally have with Jeremy Grant, so to speak, but we have it with DeAndre Ayton. Like this should be a game for him. It's a tricky one because it's the day after Christmas, you're home. But Sacramento just is such a matchup problem with mm. how fast they want to play. With Moldy how good the is. Yeah. The, I mean, it's a good team that we're potentially going to lose to. I have the Kings winning. Yeah, uh, I, I just, do I, too. But... I want to see how, how does Simon's match up with, with Fox? How does he? Who do you want to guard De'Aaron for the majority of the game? Do you, you can't want put to put money on him? He's too yeah. slow. Yeah. You don't really so, and this is where having a a more creative coach would would come in because really I would like Matisse to kind of shadow wherever De'Aaron goes, not guard him one on one, but like 
Matisse is so good in the passing lanes that I would utilize him kind of in the middle of the floor or just kind of wherever deer kind of tracking him, you know, kind of like a spy does at the linebacker position for a mobile quarterback. Mm. And you just want him to be there to either play in the passing lanes or if he can make a decision, go run out, hedge, blitz, double, get the ball out of Fox's hands. Just make them think a little bit more. I've been really pleased with Matisse, his his defense. Um, I put Tumani on Keegan. Yeah, I, I do think Tumani's played some good defense this year, but he's, I mean, I think... De'Aaron Fox is just too fast. Yeah, for one, we really need to pump the brakes on how good of a defender he is. He's a good defender. He's, he's not elite. He's getting... This cooked is no disrespect to him. He's getting absolutely like just cooked by by the Luka Doncic's of the world. And no, I don't even Luka, say Luka Doncic's. Is just average point guards cooking him. Yeah, like, I, and I, know I think Luka, Keegan Murray is a perfect matchup for him. Yeah. Like, just be I, disciplined. Like they they have nothing but shooters. Just be disciplined, and you're going like, just be disciplined defensively. Don't give up super easy threes to these shooters, and you're going to score a lot. Maybe randomness just goes our way and we win because Ant or somebody on this team gets hot, but they're not defending us. And like Scoot's going to have an easy. The only way Scoot doesn't have easy layups and dunks is if we screw him over. It's not going to be Sacramento stopping it. It's going to be Portland just being in the paint too much and then it being stopped. So I I, I think it's an 0-3 week, but I think that we're going to be happy with how we look offensively because all three teams suck defensively. I just want to see some rebounding. We're fourth worst in the league in rebounds per game, 41. Uh, It just seems like every game there's a major loose ball that we don't get, especially down the stretch. We lose majority of the 50-50 balls. We just get crushed on the glass. Um, I know personnel has a lot to do that Jeremy Grant doesn't like to rebound the basketball, but Others need to help DA out. Like there was a point in time where he was leading the league in rebounds. That's kind of came back down to life. Um, but we we just need some somebody to go in there and help crash the glass. I know Jabari does when he's in there, but you know who who else? Like just I I need to see need to see some some you know you know how they say gang tackling in football. We need some gang rebounding. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, um, like I, if you're a nothing. If you're a nothing defender or a nothing offensive player, why the fuck are you running out like you're gonna score offensively? Get in there and get dirty and get a rebound. Like if you're if you're if you're Matisse, you're not running the break anyway by yourself. Crash the goddamn boards. <laughs> this is a uh, you know, we're starting to get to the halfway point. Like I think sample sizes are still too too small um i think for the most part portland is who we think they are but like in terms of are they better not at 100 strength versus you know at 100 strength i don't think we can say that for certain yet because i think the the stat that jumps out at me is portland's won one game this year with anthony simons they've won (laughs) six without him but i don't think we're a better team without anthony simons but again like so there just hasn't been enough basketball to be played for for certain statistics to make a lot of sense or to draw conclusions from certain things. Um, so that's what I'm looking forward to as the season progresses is like, can Chauncey Billups improve with a healthy roster? Like, remember, mm-hmm. this is a team that significantly struggled his first year with 
Damian Lillard up until New Year's Eve when when they shut Dame down. And that was a team that was sixth in the West the year prior with Terry Stotts. Like that was a team trying to win. And then they struggled the next year. And they really only started to show these glimpses when it was a bunch of, you know, reserves and young players kind of scrapping. You can't win 82 game basketball like over the course of 82 game season, just playing that type of, you know, balls to the wall, scrapping, getting career nights from Skylar Mays in Memphis type of basketball. Like those are one off nights. You have you have your best players for a reason. Mm-hmm. I want to see if we can start to look just a little bit better, more consistent. Um, it's frustrating that we're even talking about this, but like I need to see better effort because oh, no, the effort has been lacking, especially defensively. the Utah game was just a disgrace to, to, to be honest. Like it was fun because I was there with you and we were hanging out, but that that was really bad basketball. And well, I kept yelling about a running clock because it was so awful. It's just the effort's been so inconsistent. You watch them play undermanned in Los Angeles and take the, you know, a, the uber talented Clippers down to basically the last seconds of the game. And then you come home for this, this homestand where again, wins aren't everything, but you would look, you would like to rack up a few of these victories and you had, you had chances to against teams that aren't, I wouldn't say the cream of the crop out West, but you're just kind of getting your, your lunch served to you. So um, it'll be interesting to see. I think the Wizards game is the biggest tell of the bunch because that's a game that the Blazers know they should win. The players probably think they should win, but how will they address it? I think the stealth tank of the Wizards, they're not even the stealth tank. The tank itself will give us the win on that one, but that's what, right. that's what Ed Davis thought about the Philadelphia 76ers during the process. Yeah, and they probably shouldn't have been talking on radio about that. We will Still always enough. bring that up. Still such a dumb mistake by the Blazers for talking shit about professionals. But I don't know, man. Like, they're so unserious. But uh, you got anything else or do you want to wrap this bad boy up? It's been a wonderful day. Um, Merry Christmas and happy holidays to... To everyone out there who who celebrates, uh, enjoy the time with your friends and family and loved ones. Uh, stay safe out there. Uh, be kind to one another. Uh, I hope you have a safe flight to, to uh, Southern Oregon, Sage. Uh, I hope you have a great holiday. Um, I'm looking forward to our, our games in January that we get to attend. Um, that's the that's the great thing about Blazer basketball. Is it, is it regardless of whether you are frustrated or happy or all of the emotions that the Blazers, you know, put you across the spectrum still brings us all together and especially us on, on a weekly basis. So very happy for that. And uh, I, I can't wait to, to talk to you again uh, next week. All right. So we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, everywhere where you get your podcast. We are there. We're also available video podcast in its entirety on YouTube. And then we clip it up and put it on socials. Follow us on our Twitters, our Instagrams, and all that other stuff. We are out of here. See you next week. Happy holidays. Bruce. All right, man. Later. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go! Let's go!